Psalm chapter 103, Psalm 103. We have a tendency at this time of the year to enter into the Christmas season about the gifts, about the things that we're going to do. And so this morning what I want to do is is give you an opportunity to maybe enter into the Christmas season with a different, a little maybe different look at it. Maybe entering into the Christmas season with the word compassion. I realize that most of us, when we think about compassion, we we can think about a lot of different uh, things and people and situations and scenarios. But as we enter into the Christmas season in 2018, thinking about the compassion for us, thinking about God who has said, you know, um, I want a relationship with you. And and so it wasn't just a feeling or a thought or here I'll give a, a little gift. His compassion moved him to say, you know what, in order for this to work out, in order for you and I to have forgiveness, in order for you and I to have, to be able to opportunity to sing, there is no other name but the name of Jesus. Compassion moved him to make a decision. That decision is represented as, as Josie has prayed, as a baby that was born in a manger. Not, a, not an opportunity to say, hey, look at me or celebrate me, but because he was moved with compassion, our lives will never be the same. And so this morning, if you have your Bible, as you think about the word compassion, I want you to look at Psalm 103. But before we say anything about Psalm 103, it's really important for you to stop and say, what are some of the benefits you've received by having Jesus in your life? Now, I don't know about you, but I have goosebumps when I'm singing that song as I listen to the three of them sing and the instruments play. But I don't want to be just that goosebump Christian. I want to know truth that will affect how I live my life tomorrow. And so as I enter into this Christmas season, I am personally thinking about, okay, Lord, you were compassionate towards me. And so as I enter into Christmas 2018, I... I start asking myself, what what changes have taken place in my life in this year to make me a more mature person as I enter into this type of Christmas compared to last year? What has Jesus done in my life this year that I see areas where he's changed me? Not that I say, well, check this off. No, there's no power in the name of Patterson. There's no power there. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is hope in that name. But unless you and I pause and say, you know what, thank you for your compassion, we just enter into Christmas and it's just that busy time of the year. Yeah, you're going to eat more food, you're going to see more people, you're going to go a lot of different places, but it's not really going to affect your life. And so as you look at Psalm 103, it's important for us as you look at Psalm 103, look at verse 2, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. I realize that you're very busy. And so there's a temptation for us to be so busy that we don't stop and say, wow, God, you benefited my life in this area this year. God, I see you here. This is something you are or or have done or who you are in my life. We, We have a tendency to be a little bit forgetful. Probably part of that is our sin nature. Thank you, Adam and Eve, that we have a tendency that we just want more. We're never really satisfied. So we forget the last time this happened or this happened or this happened. So I want to pause this morning 
and remind you that his compassion has led to the benefit of your life. Look how it plays out in Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, all my soul, forget not all of his benefits. That's a choice. First one, who forgives all your iniquity. This morning as you sit here, forgiveness is not this issue, this issue, this issue. He forgives all your iniquities. That should be a hallelujah somewhere in somebody's heart and soul. I know it is in my life because I know where I was and where we are now. It should be, thank you, Jesus. One thing that's really important, though, when you think about forgets, don't forget all the benefits, is just because Satan brings something back into your mind does not mean that you're not forgiven. He's forgiven all of your iniquities. If you want to have a little fun, take a line and draw on your Bible from verse 3 down to verse 12. As far as is from the east is from the west, so does he remove our transgressions from us. So when you've been reminded, you need to pause and come back and say, wait a minute, a benefit of the power of the name of Jesus is, guess what? All of my iniquities have ever been forgiven. Satan, you can remind me. I'm not saying Satan himself reminds me. I'm saying it's amazing how I can remember things that I did when I was 12 or 13, 14, 18 that I really don't want to remember. Bam, there it is. So I need to come back to the Scripture. One of the benefits of this year at Christmas is that I have forgiveness of all of my iniquities. Another one is he heals all my diseases. Go back to verse 3. Forgiveness forgives all of your iniquities and heals all your diseases. I don't know if you know this, but all of you sitting in this room most likely have cancer inside of your body. Some of us will get a diagnosis, cancer. Some of us might in 2019 end up on a helicopter flight just the way Jerry's son is this morning. Jerry was talking to his son yesterday, no problems. Woke up this morning, clammy, not feeling real good, took him to the ER, bam, helicopter ride. Can I remind you of something? The best place for you to be is eternity with Jesus. Bert Long used to tell us, if you really believe heaven is such a great place, why are you fighting so hard to get there? Heaven is something you're really looking forward to. Be thankful for 75 years. Not say, God, wait a minute, I need some more time. God, whatever you want from my life. Whatever time I have left, I know that there might come a time where he says, you know what, I'm not going to heal you of this. I'm going to take you home. That's the best gift I will ever get is to go home with Jesus forever. That's the best gift. Forget not all of his benefits. You go back, back, back to Psalm 103. Who redeems your life from the pit? Have you paused? As you enter into this season of going and busy and all this stuff, and say, you know what, God was compassionate for me. Guess what? I have redemption today. I have been rescued from what I deserve. I deserve to be separated. But I have redemption this morning. I will be with him forever. I should be in hell for eternity. That's where I should be. But God said, nope, I want that one. Bam, redeemed. He didn't stop with redemption. Look what he look how this goes on. He redeems your life from the pit and he crowns you 
with steadfast love and mercy. So not only was I rescued from that pit, I've actually now received the crown. You know what that crown is? His steadfast love and mercy. As you sit here this morning, if there's a time in your life, say, you know what, Jesus, I recognize that I'm a sinner. I'm going to ask for forgiveness. The best gift that could ever be given to me is you sending your son to die on a cross for my sin. I receive that gift. There's never been a time in my life that God has not loved me. And there's never been a time that God says, you know what, you deserve this, but I'm going to give you mercy. I'm pretty sure all of you, when you were when you were younger, you didn't go up to your parents and says, you know what, Mom and Dad, I really need a spanking, so today's the day. And there were times that your parents gave you mercy when they should have given you what for. Probably they should have given you what for, but they didn't, couldn't control their temper, so if they would have given you what for, it could have been bad. Or they just didn't know how to handle it. So you said, what, I'm just going to give you mercy. I don't know what to do with you. My father, who's a compassionate father, is allowing me to enter into another Christmas season, and he wants me to know that my life has been redeemed. He wants me to know that his love and his steadfast mercy will always be there for me. He's not done yet in Psalm 103. Who satisfies you with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Can you think back over this year where God just given you a little good gift? Boom, here it is. Just I want to encourage you. For some, it's been marriage. And now God over the years has given you a gift and has blessed you with that gift. Some others, a good gift for you might be Chick-fil-A. I realized that last night. I, uh, we had a, I had a, there was a cup outside on the table. had a Chick-fil-A emblem. One of the little people walked past and said, Wow, you went to Chick-fil-A? I'm like, no, I just saved my cup, and I just put my ice in, and I was drinking my drink, and I just set it out here. But to them, you know, Chick-fil-A is a good gift. But for, for me, it's chocolate ice cream. And we won't talk much longer about that because we're really getting close to lunch. But I really think it's important to see where your compassionate father stepped in and said, hey, here's a good gift for you. I just want you to know that I love you. I just want to satisfy your heart with one more thing so you you keep coming back and saying, hey, Dad, I need you today. May this be the most common place you go for help is the cross. May this be the most common place the Word of God saying, hey, this is where the hope is. This is what truth is. The temptation is to run around here. This person comes, this, this, this. No. It's behind me. How many things has he done this year just for you to say, hey, I'm here? Here's one I thought was really interesting. Take your Bible and go to 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1. First Peter chapter 1. Peter's the author writing to a group of believers that have been exiled. And I just, as I was thinking about God's compassion. I was thinking about these words, and so I was looking at 1 Peter chapter 1, and it says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect. So Peter is this apostle because of Jesus Christ. To those who have been chosen, these elect are now exiles 
and it gives you where they bun, but I want you to look at verse 2. According to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Now think about that. If you're, if you're Peter's audience and he's writing to you, by the way, I just want you to know, you're elect, but because of the foreknowledge of God, I'm going to send you in so many different directions. Your church is going to be persecuted. There's going to be issues. We're going to make it uncomfortable for you, but I just want to remind you, God has planned this. And how many of us sitting in this room today, because the foreknowledge of God, to the group that Peter was writing to, says, you know what? God wanted to send them out. He didn't want them to be a comfortable, unique family. He put pressure and persecution, which made them move. So Paul, or Peter's writing to them saying, your God knows about your situation. Your God is aware of the circumstances that you face. It was planned by him to spread the gospel. And it's interesting, as I think about compassion and think about God always has known about today. There's never been a time that God did not know about today. I don't understand. My brain hurts just thinking about these things. He foreknew this stuff. He knows all that's going to take place in your world. So will you go to the one who knows it all and say, I need to surrender. You foreknew my circumstance. You foreknew the situation. You foreknew what was going to take place. I don't necessarily like it, but I'm not the one who knew. I'm not the one who has the foreknowledge. I'm not the, we're not the ones that are putting the puzzle piece together. He is. Trust him. Run to him. May it be a reminder of you, as you look at this baby that's born in a manger, as you drive down the road, you might say, wow, the foreknowledge of God. His compassion for me meant that his son needed to be born in a manger. Here's another one I want you to look at. James chapter 4. So just go back to the left in your Bible. James chapter 4. James is a very practical book, and so as you read through it, it's a good opportunity for you just to think about practical, biblical living. James is a great opportunity for that. But I want you to hear James' words. So if I want to be practical in this world, James is going to give you some really good information. Come now you who say, today or tomorrow we'll go, uh, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and, and trade and, and make a profit. Yet, you do not know where tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For are you not a mist that appears for a little time and then it vanishes? Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Biblical maturity brings you to realize that life is a gift today. You do not own today. And you do not own tomorrow. And what I find really interesting in that little word, in that, those verses is the word if. 
if the individuals that James is writing to comes to the realization, guess what? Life is extremely short, and you're not in charge. I used to think that 75 was kind of, I won't say that word because I don't think so anymore. And so this morning as you sit here, your father's just reminding you of some things. In his compassion, he knows that you have a temptation to live in your ideas and your concepts and you think in your power. That is not wise biblical living. James would say to you, it's an opportunity for every one of us, if we are willing to say, life is a vapor, it's a mist, I am not in charge, and you're not in charge. But you have to be willing to pause and say, wait a second, it's not me. I don't control my heart rate. I don't control enough oxygen getting in my lungs. So really, as you enter into this chunk of our message, you really need to pause. You really need to spend some time pausing to think about what are some of these benefits. Jesus, what have you done in my life? Because you wanted this relationship with us. And then as you go through this, you really need to think about, okay, God, you foreknew that this was going to take place. Why am I still angry at you for this? Why am I still questioning you about this? Why am I still the individual saying to you, God, you did it wrong? And if you spend some time thinking your way through this, this is really going to challenge your actions. This is really going to challenge who you are. I hope it will lead you to Matthew chapter 6. And you don't have to go there, but I really want to go to Matthew chapter 28. But Matthew chapter 6 is the Lord's Prayer and encouraging you how to pray differently. So when you put the word prayer together, I really want you to put Matthew chapter 6 and really look at Jesus' prayer for you. Not my will be done. Father, I'm going to humble myself before you because I really want to get to, take your Bible and go to Matthew chapter 28. And we'll finish in Matthew chapter 28. It's been kind of convicting or kind of, a struggle in my soul as I think about all this stuff around compassion, all that God has done for me, and I'm just wondering if God has done all of this, why doesn't the world know about what he's done? Why are there so many broken homes in Highlands County? Why are so many children growing up in such dysfunction like we've never seen before? And I think probably that is because the people sitting in buildings and call themselves Christians have really not let the power of God reach into their own personal lives, so it's not affecting the people that are around them. They call themselves Christians, but they're empty because they haven't allowed the compassion of God to really sit inside of who they are. Oh, they're neat people, but there's no power in who they are. And so as I think about Matthew chapter 28, you look at starting in verse 19, it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. 
And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Is your concept of your relationship with Christ kind of like this? Where you know this situation is broken. It's just like, God, just drop me in over there. I want to be the voice. I can't rescue. I don't have the power. I don't have the hope. It's not about me. It's about the name that is above all names. It's about you, Jesus. What the temptation is? Well, I went to church. We went to church to identify as a group, as a family, so that we could go back out into a broken world called a community and rescue one more. One more dad. One more little person. One more mom. So that they enter into this, this season where lights and decorations can be all the distractions, but they really enter into, wow, there's a God who had compassion for me, and he reached down and he rescued me out. I know you see the people. I know you see the brokenness. But how is he making you a better disciple? Before we go, we have to come to him and say, okay, I receive this. We have to get to a place in our lives that we say, okay, I surrender. I'm not in charge. I give up. Uncle, it's not about me. Are you there this morning? Are you entering into the Christmas season as a son and daughter saying, Father, just thank you, not give me, give me, give me, give me, give me? What are you learning about Jesus that others can see in your life? That's a disciple. That's a follower of Jesus. You sang the words... He saved you. The wrath of God has been satisfied. Here in the power of Christ I stand. Is that really true? Can I tell you something? There is no other name that's greater than the name of Jesus. But as sons and daughters, we need to enter into that grace and receive and know who He is. So as you enter into the Christmas season, I would encourage you to pause and celebrate the compassion of your Father towards you. It, made, it, wasn't a, it wasn't a feeling of this, oh, I want to feel good. It was a, a Father saying, unless this takes place, you would not have a relationship with Him. There would be no power. There would be no hope. And in saying that, as a son and daughter today, keep saying His name. Keep asking Him for help. Keep denying that it's anything about you. So Father, Your Word is in front of us. And so kind of as Paul's prayed, now to Him who is able. Father, we can't do anything. But we want to see You work. We want to see families change, not because of anything other than dad and mom saying, Jesus, 
Help me. Jesus, I choose you. That we see more and more of surrender. Because what we've seen in you, that our lives would just model that. Was that a coincidence you brought us a missionary from Peru that shoeboxes have been sent to? Is that a coincidence? Or is that a reminder to us as a family? Let's get out in the world and let's wrestle. Let's rescue one more. Let's pack another shoebox. Let's have another coffee with somebody. Maybe I should take this job because it would give me an opportunity to be a, a witness. Father, I don't know what you're going to do, and I just thank you that you gave us today to wrestle with the Scriptures. So Holy Spirit, now take the Scriptures and change us. May we be the family members that are willing to be obedient, that we would really think, you know what, if I don't obey this, I'm living in sin. I'm living contrary to my Father. So Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for our missionaries. I pray you would use them in Peru. We love you, Lord. In your name I pray. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day.